be found beginning on page 1152. It is Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of God. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has forsaken, has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like dawn and your healing will appear quickly. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. So we went to Isaiah today. Everybody understand what we read? <laughs> I, I know that passage can be extremely difficult, but there's so much in it. And I chose it today because I want to talk about freedom, how to find freedom in the Lord. And that passage was about freedom. Now, you might say, well, all I heard was fasting, and they fast this way, and God didn't like it. And, and then some people may turn it into, see, you've got to do this, this. You've got to cross these T's with a curl, dot the I with a circle, don't fill it in. You know, they, there's all kinds of things that we come up with, and we use the Bible to prove it. It's been going on since God started speaking to us. Jesus dealt with it in his time. The Pharisees said, hey, it's the Sabbath. You can't heal somebody on the Sabbath. That's work. You know, it was so bad. The Pharisees had this law that 
they wore sandals back then. They didn't have shoes like we have today, no tennis shoes for short, nothing laced up, you just slip your feet in. And part of that was because they walked in the sand and it was easier to wash them, you know, just slip them off, wash your feet, put them back on. But if your sandal was broken, okay, and I, I can picture in my mind because I, I had a, a pair of flip-flops like this where they, as I walked, they would like flop behind me and barely hanging on. So just imagine it's broken and it's like flopping all over the place. You got to work a little extra hard to, to make it work. It's not like you just walk in, you don't think about it. You're, you're like, oh, you push that foot back on there again. And if you did that on the Sabbath, you could be in trouble because you had to work. I mean, come on, we're, we're, we're just doing normal things. We're just walking. Yeah, but when you're walking, you're making your foot work. God never said, if your shoes broke, don't walk on the Sabbath. He never said that. But because they didn't want to break God's laws, they were so legalistic. They made up other laws to keep them from breaking God's laws. And what did they do? They put a burden, a burden upon themselves. There is a law in the book of the law in Leviticus 23 and a couple other places. The main one that I believe is being talked about in Isaiah 58 is from Leviticus 23, and it talks about the Day of Atonement. Now, on the Day of Atonement, a priest would go into the temple or the tent whatever, if they, before the temple was built, and he would make atonement for all of Israel. All of their sins would be forgiven on that day. Okay? But the one thing God required on that day was that no one from sundown on the beginning of the day, because the day began at sundown, from sundown until sundown the next day, nobody ate any food. So for that night, all through the day, and as the sun went down, you could start eating again. For one day, 360 days a year, for one day, you don't eat. That was not a lot to ask, right? That was the only time that God required that they fast. One day a year. And they couldn't even get that right. Why? Now, a lot of people in this world will try to tell you, see, that's, you've got to do this the right way. You've got, you, can't, you can drink water. They'll tell you, you, if you're diabetic, well, you can eat something. And it, you know, they'll, they'll list out a whole bunch of prescriptions of, of, for this day of what you can and cannot do. But what did the Lord require? What did he really want? What was he really asking of them? It was very simple. And I'm telling you, none of us can figure it out without God telling us. And that's where they went wrong. Because they didn't ask him. They didn't go to him and say, what do you want, Lord? They said, oh, you don't want us to eat. Okay. But they're still going to take care of, you're going to harm the workers that are working for them. They're going to see somebody who has been starving for days and they're not going to feed them. They see somebody who's naked and they're not going to give them any clothing because we got to focus on what we got to do for God. We got to make God happy. That's not what he wanted. He wanted them to come to him and say, what do you require? What can I do that will bring you joy? And you know what God would say? He would have said, 
put clothing on the, the naked. He would have said, feed the poor. He would have said, let your workers have a day off. So where am I going with all this? In 2021, why do we come to church? How many of you, and you don't have to answer, please don't answer, because I don't want to make anybody feel bad. Well, if you do, that's not me, it's God. But if you're coming to church just because it's Sunday, ask God if that's the right reason. If you're coming to church just because you did all your life, ask God if that's the right reason. If you're coming to church to worship God, then ask God, how do I worship? If you're coming to church because you want to hear me speak, oh, you were really wrong. <laughs> It'll be back next week. <laughs> no, I mean, but what, I'm not trying to tell you that you're wrong, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm trying to get you to say, God, why do I go to church? Because there is no wrong reason unless you're not asking God. And then we're all wrong. But the moment we ask God, what's the reason? What's the purpose? We're not all going to get the same answer. We're going to get the answer that he wants to give us that is good for us and helps us build our relationship with him. That is the right answer. And it might be different for all of us. If there's 40 people here today, we might have 40 different answers. Or we might have 20 or we might have 30. I don't know. Because some of us may be the same. But the point is we've got to go to God. That passage we read in Isaiah 58, if we study it before and after it, and we study what, what, what's God saying, he wanted them to come to him to rely on him. Because he knows that we as human beings can do nothing apart from him. Well, what do you mean? I, I drove my car here today. Yes, sure. I drove here today too. But how did God help me with that? Well, he helped me see the deer that about ran out in front of me. That was God. That wasn't me. He helped, helped somebody, a bunch of people make this truck somewhere that brought, this, that brought me here today. I didn't make that truck. He gave me this body that I could carry around and walk in to this building. I didn't do that. I did nothing apart from him. But my point is, when we try to do things to please God, if we come to him saying, God, I'm going to please you with this. I'm going to church on Sunday, and you know, I'm going to give a little extra, and I'm going to sing a little bit louder. Okay, if you're saying, I'm going to do this, God doesn't, I mean, he'll accept it, okay? But that's not what he wants. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God doesn't accept that. I'm not one of those preachers. I don't speak for God. God has his own mind and decides what he likes and doesn't like. What I'm saying to you, though, what he has told me, and I can say, is that he wants us to ask him, what do I do when I get there? How do I, how do I live each and every day? Because when you do that, you are establishing, strengthening, and building a relationship with him. And when you build, strengthen, and establish a relationship with God, your life will change. And just like if we were to start picking up weights every day and maybe start out with five pounds and do some curls or deadlifts or whatever we do, we're, our muscles are going to get bigger. They're going to get stronger. They may not get bigger, but they'll get stronger. Every time we do something 
we get stronger. If we just lay around 24 hours a day, seven days a week, by the eighth day, we're going to be very weak. Just walking around keeps us strong. When we do things, we remain strong and we get stronger. When we go to God, we get stronger. Every day. How? Tell me how, Phil. Tell me how do I go to God? Can you talk? Even if you can't talk, can you imagine talking in your mind? Because it works that way too. I'm talking about prayer. Prayer is not just a word that begins with P. Prayer is a means of communication with God. And I don't, it doesn't matter how you do it. You can pray, say, God, help me. That's prayer. You know, you're going down the road and that deer does start to jump out in front of you and you say, God, help me. You prayed. <laughs> you may not have realized it, but you know what? You know why you said that? Because you know he will because you've been to him before, and you've established a relationship, and now it's automatic. You don't have to sit there and think, okay, now, how, did I, how am I supposed to pray? Um, first, I gotta get on my knees, then I gotta put my hands together. By that time, you're hitting a deer, right? It's automatic because you've done it. So what I'm saying is, the more you go to God, and I don't care how you do it, it's gonna become automatic. You won't even think, oh wait, I gotta say a certain way or God's not gonna hear me. No, that is religion, that's man-made stuff, and we don't need to have any part of that. Submission to God is what brings this incredible freedom. And what we read, Isaiah was talking about a yoke. Now, a yoke in those times was, I'm sure you've seen it, the big wooden thing that you put around the neck of an ox and sometimes you would have two ox or a cow or a bull or something, that, some kind of animal that would carry along the load and would do the work. It was a burden. So God's telling us, I want to break these burdens for you. I don't want you to feel like just because it's Sunday morning, you have to go to church. He loves the fact that it's Sunday morning and you're coming to church, but he doesn't want you to feel obligated. To do it because when you're obligated you got this big heavy yoke on you and it becomes a burden god wants you to say it's sunday we get to praise the lord yay we get to do this i've heard that a time or two from somebody <laughs> we get to do this that's what god wants because that shows that you're growing in him okay when you you say oh it's it's 3 p.m that's my prayer time. Okay, if you've established a prayer time at 3 p.m., praise God. That's fantastic. But if you're being told it's 3 p.m., you must pray at 3 p.m. There is a religion in this world that tells their people they have to pray five times a day. That's a burden. That's legalism. That's not God. I'm sorry, that is not from God. That is from man. That's from the enemy. But if you say it's 3 o'clock and I pray every day at 3 o'clock, and you and God established it, way to go. But if someone else across the aisle says, hey, you know, I just pray whenever I think about it, way to go. Someone else says, I haven't prayed for three days, okay, don't make it four. Pray today, it's okay. God's not gonna say, hey, uh, you know, I haven't heard from you for three days, uh, I'm not talking to you. No, he's not gonna say that. You know, one of the wonderful things about being a Christian and knowing God is we don't have to conform to society. You know, society says, 
to us, if you make a mistake, depending on how bad that mistake is, it could be over. You know, we have football games. Some of you are football fans. Guy jumps offside right before the ball snapped. There goes the yellow flag. That's a mistake. You lose some yardage. Okay? But in life with God, if we make a mistake, we do something and God says, hey, I don't want you to do that. It's not like, you lose. It's like, oh, okay, turn to God, ask for forgiveness, and move on. Society says there are consequences for every single mistake. And yes, there are consequences for your sins. But you know what? They're not lasting consequences. They can be corrected immediately, and anything you have done is forgiven. Anything you will do is forgiven. What I'm saying is, don't conform to society. Don't believe that we, God has us conform to him like we do conform to society's rules. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not saying you can go out and kill somebody and God will say, okay, that's okay. You know, we'll, we'll forgive that. That's not what I'm saying. It's not a license to sin. But what I'm saying is don't feel like you've ruined everything when you do sin. Because God isn't like that. Society may say, hey, you've just ruined everything with this law you broke. The Pharisees said, hey, you just walked on the Sabbath with a broken sandal out of the camp for five days. They would do things like that, okay? We're not kicking anybody out of this church for having a broken shoe. We were going to say, hey, let's help you get a new pair of shoes. That's what we do, because that's what God wants of us. I hope I'm making sense here. What I'm trying to say is, we got to think of God differently than we think of what society teaches us. Because here we are living in this world. We must live in this world. We have no choice but to live in this world. But we don't have to be a part of this world. We don't have to, we have to obey the laws of this world. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to start a cult here, okay? We do have to obey the laws of this world. But when it comes to God, we don't have to apply that same standard. We don't have to apply that same standard. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to make myself a little vulnerable here for a moment. Before I stepped down here, I looked at my watch to see what time it was. And immediately God said, don't. I'll tell you when it's time to stop talking. You don't need to follow a timeline. And instead of thinking, oh, well, I just ruined the whole day. No, I said, oh, forgive me, Lord. Turn back to him immediately. This all went place, took place in my mind. None of you saw it. And now, without even thinking about it, I just kept going unless I, until I wanted to use it as an illustration. What I'm saying is you can immediately go to God. There was a time the enemy told me because of something I had done that God wouldn't talk to me for three days. After a day and a half, I couldn't stand it anymore. And I was crying out to him, and he said, I never told you that. I don't know what would have happened if I would have forced myself to not talk to God for three days, thinking he wasn't going to talk to me. He never said that. He doesn't do that. That was a trick played on me by the enemy, and it worked for a day and a half. And it'll never work again. Never. Don't let the enemy tell you lies. If something that you hear in your mind, something formulates in your mind, 
take it to God. Was that you? He'll let you know, maybe not right away. You might not hear yes, you might not hear no, but you're going to see as you live your life, things are going to pop up. Things are going to pop up in the least expected places, and you're going to know God's talking to you. You know why? Because he has a relationship with you. He wants you to be better. Because he wants you to know all that he can give you. He wants you to know all that he wants to give you. And he wants you to have the confidence to move forward. Okay? Things are changing in this world. And I'm not talking about the bad stuff. I mean, I see it going on. I don't know all of it because I try to avoid it. Not because I want to bury my head in the sand, just because I know God's taking care of things. But something's happening. Something's changing that God's doing. And I'm telling you, people are going to start knowing, understanding, and feeling a change within them. And you can ignore it. And you can say, no, this, I'm not giving into this sort of thing. I don't believe this thing. Okay, and God won't force you. But if you're feeling it, you're hearing it, you're knowing it, ask God, what's going on? What is changing in me? What am I supposed to do? What do you have? And don't say, I'm not a pastor. Pastor's a title. That's all it is, is a title. Don't say, well, I'm not a teacher. And I don't mean elementary school teachers or anything like that. Appreciate all of you. I mean like a biblical teacher. That's a title too. You can be a biblical teacher. Don't say things like, well, I'm not very good at serving others. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't matter. If God wants you to be anything, he will help you be anything he wants you to be, but he won't force you to do it. And that's another thing about these people in Isaiah, Israelites. He had so much in store for them. But they would not come to him and say, what do you have in store for us? They simply tried to do it on their own. So you feel God saying, and I'm talking to all of you, I don't care how young or how older you are, I don't care. And I'm not saying, don't say, well, I'm, I'm over 60 years old, there's no way I can start a ministry. Maybe it's for a day. Maybe it's for five minutes. Or maybe he's got you planned out for the next 30 years. And I'm not saying you have to change everything. Ask him. I can't tell you what it is. Ask him. What do you have in store for me? Because I'm telling you this. He has something in store for every single person I'm looking at right now. And I'm looking at all of you. And you too. On Facebook. He has something in store for all of us. You can say, no, that's not for me. Okay. God still loves you. But if you want something greater, you want to experience God in a new way, you want to grow in your faith, you want to understand him more, ask him what it is. He'll tell you, and it'll blow your mind. I promise you that. And you won't have to do it on your own. Because when you do, you're going to be like the Israelites in Isaiah 58. God's going to say that. Not what I wanted. But when you come to him and you say, work with me, 
Now, here's another thing. Let's say God wants you to lead a Bible study. Somebody in here, I believe he's telling right now, I want you to lead a Bible study. Don't, get, don't panic. It's not everybody. It's just one person. Okay? I don't know who it is. It's one person. And you say, ah, I can't do that. And you say, okay, I'll try. And you know what? It might not be good the first time. But God's going to show you where you went wrong because you're listening to him and you're following him. And the next time, it might be a little bit better. Before you know it, you might be standing up here and I'll be sitting down there talking because that's what happened with me. I heard God say back in 1999, hey, I want you to do this. I'm like, I don't know, but I'll do it. And I was terrible, terrible. But I went to God and said, God, I was terrible. He goes, I know, we'll work on it. And I'm going to go to him after this message and say, God, that was terrible. He'll say, I know, we'll get you better. Because you can always make you better. Always. Always. So don't, don't feel like, don't let the enemy say you're no good. You can't do it. Don't listen to that. Listen to God who's saying, you can do it because I'm going to do it through you. It's not through us. It is through God working in us that this is all going to happen. And I'm telling you, a year from now, a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, somebody's going to come up to me and say, you were right. I don't know who it's going to be. At least one of you is going to come up to me next year and say, you were right. God made a big difference to me that year. And I'm going to be looking for it. But until then, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day and this message you've given to us, a message of hope and courage and strength, a message to know that we can do it, Father. We can. With your strength, we can do anything. We can be something greater. We can be what you want us to be, whether it be for just a five-minute conversation or a 30-year ministry. Lord, whatever it is you've got for us, Bible study, teaching children, helping to clean the church, whatever it may be. Lord, we're coming forward and we're asking you to tell us. And then when we get that one thing done, give us another thing. Let us come forward and teach us. Help our inhibitions. Keep the enemy from talking to us. Protect us with your angels that we might hear your voice clearly. We ask this of you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.